0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness.
1: Um, my uh, my oldest son plays for Seattle U, which, oh, is, okay. in, which is in the WAC conference. That's the day. WAC, yep. Yeah, so he was recruited pretty heavily by Grand Canyon and the uh, he didn't go there, obviously, but uh, his experiences last year playing there were like, that. it's like wild. man. the kids are oh like, yeah.
0: that's the one thing we're going to be missing this year with fans and like the Havocs, they call them, because we have like one of the best fan bases in college basketball, or so they say, you know. So, and I guess just to get started, the first thing I kind of wanted to ask you about, like growing up, you know, because you did play ball at UConn. You were a player who kind of transitioned into uh, the business role of marketing and managing and all of that stuff. What was your inspiration to get into sports in the first place growing up? Like, who did you look up to? What did you watch? And were you always, you know, like self-disciplined and competitive at a young age? Yeah. I mean, I, you know,
1: like most kids, I grew up playing sports and uh, I was always athletic and, um, you know, it, it was my passion. So I worked really hard at it and, um, you know, played pre sports in high school throughout high school, um, which nowadays is like nobody ever does anymore. But, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, a, a goalie on the soccer team. And then I was obviously a basketball player on the basketball team. And I was also the starting shortstop for four years on the baseball team. So, um, you know, so I, I spent, I spent my entire childhood just playing, eating, breathing sports and, you know, and, and obviously my parents, were educators, so, you know, school was always important, but to me, sports was like, you know, sports was it. And so when I went to UConn and, you know, got a chance to obviously play at a higher level than high school, um, you know, it was an incredible experience. And I think being born one of the few Greek Americans who uh, who were, was playing a high level basketball in college, I started getting recruited by Greek teams in the Greek in the Greek league. Uh, because back then, I don't know what the rules are now, but back then you could only have two Americans on your team. But if a Greek, if a Greek American played for three consecutive seasons, they would be considered a Greek national, so they could play as, a, and then you can go get another American. Or if that if that Greek American would agree to enroll in the military, they could have automatically become a, a Greek national. Um, I wasn't going to enroll in anybody's military if I could help it, so I went the route of, you know, just playing as an American for, for three years. Um, so, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, it was, it was obviously look, get, getting paid to play something. If you could ever get that job, you got to take it like, no matter what you're playing. I mean, it's like, whether you're playing basketball in Europe or whether you're playing in the NBA or whether you're playing tiddlywinks, I mean, you should take that job because, you know, there's nothing quite like, you know, getting paid to recreate in a way. So, um, you know, but that was, you know, when I, when, in between that, when I was coming home in the summers, I uh, I did internships uh, back at UConn and my second summer, I did an internship with uh, what was then Fleet Bank, which I think is subsequently was bought by Bank of America. And uh, I was in the commercial lending department and I was literally bored to tears. Like I was like, I can't, like, I can't, if I finished playing, and I have to go get a job. Like in, you know, the guy who ran the, the unit was a former UConn player. And he was like, when you're done overseas, you can join my your commercial lending unit. You'd be so good at it. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I couldn't go to, I couldn't wake up every day and go sit in an office and talk about like loans for businesses. I would like shoot myself. So I, uh, so I, I ended up, um, I ended up deciding that, Hey, when my, when my, when my uh, playing career was going to end, whenever that would be, um, I'm going to I'm going to pursue a job in sports somehow, whether that's coaching or whether it was that you know that was in the business of sports. And lo and behold, that you know the next year I injured my back and I battled with it for you know for on and off for the year. And then um, that summer I got healthy. And then literally the last time I played, my disc completely ruptured, and I was facing surgery and all that stuff so I did all that and thought like let me rehab but you know in surgery in 1991 is different than surgery in 2021 right I mean oh, yeah it, I'm sure you know it was a much more invasive and long the, the, even the rehab process was much different than it would be today so after about you know six months of rehab and trying to get back into shape to go play overseas I was like you know what I've been out of I've been out of college for almost three years and or over three years and i haven't you know like all my friends have either graduated from law school or you know grad school or they've had jobs for three years and i've been you know like look they were all jealous because i was traveling around europe you know playing sports for money but you know i was getting agita over you know it's time for me to it's time for me to kind of move on with my life in the next chapter and so i went back to uconn and had some conversations with the athletic director and you know the people who were kind of the guys I admired in the athletic department there for just to get advice because originally my goal was I didn't know how that process worked because I've been playing overseas so I was like I don't like resume like, I, like my resume is I played guard for Olympia Coast like I don't really have any like work experience I worked in a beer distributor in high school so you know, it was like so I ended up the athletic director at UConn was like hey you'd be a great fundraiser for us like so why don't why don't we set up a you know like a you know like an internship type thing you know i was like fine you know i had money in the bank from playing overseas and so i i got assigned to work in the in the development office of the athletic department which is basically trying to raise money and uh and from there the rest was history once i got into it i could talk about sports all day Right. And it, was, it was the challenge of business right like one part of my job was to work on the annual fund which was really interesting because to me that there was a real science and and kind of process and system around how to go and create small donate, you know, a series, you know, thousands of small donations. And then the other half of my job was working in the major gift office, which was like, how do you get individuals to put, you know, write $3 million checks. And so I had this really unique early work experience of like art and science that I was, I was attracted to both. And I think I was attracted to both because I'm half German and half Greek. So the German in me, liked the rigor of like, Hey, I'm going to have to figure out how to do an annual campaign. And the Greek and me like to go tell stories and right, ask for big donations. So, um, you know, and once that, you know, once, once I got there, I knew the rest was, I was going to stay in this field somehow for, you know, for, for as long as I possibly
0: could. <laughs> was it heartbreaking uh, once you went through all that back stuff and then you kind of, again, like had that self-discipline to say like, okay, this isn't going to work out. Cause did you have aspirations to get to the next level from a playing career? you know look, look, no i mean i knew i was at the
1: highest level i would get to you know i wasn't i wasn't going to fool myself i averaged 3.9 points a game in college so i wasn't an nba prospect by any means and i was counting every blessing to be able to get paid anything to play beyond college so you know thank thank my my lineage that i was greek and the greeks had interest in other greeks that could play um, you know so i knew i was there was, was i heartbroken you know not, you know it was such a gradual like decision that almost got made for itself. There wasn't like a defining moment where it was like, Oh, it's over. I can't believe it. Cause it was like, I heard it. And then I'd been battling with a bad back since college. So it it was kind of normal course when I, and when I found out I had to have surgery, it was more like, well, I knew this day would come at some point because I've been battling this bulging disc for four years, five years now. So it wasn't like I was heartbroken. I thought I could rehab and go back and, you know, one of the things I knew in the back of my head was the medical care in Europe was not nowhere near close to what it was in the U.S. in terms of sports medicine. So I knew I wouldn't have the same kind of support I would have if I was playing, you know, in a U.S. situation, whether it be professional or college. So, you know, doctors, trainers, physical therapists. So I knew, like, the only way I'd feel comfortable going back is if my back was, like, hundred percent healed. Like I'm, I have no issues anymore. And, you know, I was playing a lot. I was back in shape. You know, I was, I was dealing with, you know, intermittent back spasms and it just got to the point more where it was like, I was feeling agitated about not having made any progress in my career. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to end up as Sam Malone. Like I'm going to be working in a bar, attending bar, telling stories. Like, cause I, I need a skill. Like I was like, I need a skill set here. Like, I, you know, I'm not making millions where I can retire, uh, but I'm making enough where it's like, yeah, it's definitely worth playing. But at the same token, you know, once it was over, if it was over when I was, you know, let's say I played 10 years, like I, I I would have no work skills. So then it would have been like, now what do I do? I I must, I'm going to have to coach like probably and live in Greece the rest of my life. And I didn't want to do that either. So, so it was a little gradual. It was kind of building. And then it was like, I was fine with it when I made the decision. And the fact that I kind of fell into a sports oriented job made it so much easier. You know, if I would have had to go back and work in commercial lending, I would have been like doing back exercises like just to try to go back and play overseas, like as soon as I possibly could. But um, with all due respect to all those great commercial lenders out there.
0: <laughs> and you're totally right about um, kids not playing three or more sports nowadays. Like, I don't know about your son just playing basketball. I know for me, for baseball, as soon as we came about scouting and 100% about scouting, you kind of just, like, lose passion for it if you're not uh, – if your aspiration isn't to get to that next level. Does he only play, yeah. he only play basketball yeah. in high school?
1: My kids, I have three boys. They're all basketball players. Yeah, uh, my uh, my three played everything. Like growing up, everything. Oh yeah, like, they, they were like you name it, they played it. I mean, even my littlest, who's now six four, sophomore in high school, is killer hooper. Um, even he was a gymnast when he was young. Like he was lacrosse and soccer and baseball and basketball and swimming and you know, golf and you name it. They played everything, and I coached everything. When my oldest got to uh, ninth grade by then he was six, five. Um, and he was a really good lacrosse player and a really good basketball player. And he just got to a point where he's like, I think I'm just going to focus on basketball, but it was his choice. Um, and then he just got, he just started putting the work in and became a really, really good high school and AAU player and had 25, 26 division one offers, you know, before he went my, my middle son, tried to play everything wasn't that good at mo- most sports other than basketball. He was really good at, but like he would play baseball and was like, Oh, like what happened? <laughs> you know? Um, and then my youngest son's a really natural athlete. Like the kid can, and he played he up until eighth grade, like his older brother, he, lacrosse was probably his better sport. Um, and then he just, I think his two older brothers be playing hoop all the time. He just made the decision. Not, not because I, I didn't, like, I don't care. He could play whatever he wants, but, uh, his brothers, all they were doing was playing hoops. So he just started training with them and hanging with them. And then ultimately like he paired off everything else. So, um, which part of me is like, okay, good. He's focused. And part of me is like, man, there's some romance around like being a three sport athlete. Maybe that's just my own nostalgia, but it's like, you know, look, I, I, I joke with my kids, like, when it was fall, I never I never worked out for basketball because I was playing, like, I was an all-state goalie. I was playing, like, goalie, right? And that was soccer. And then, like, basketball season would come and you'd have to dust off your ball handling and all that stuff. And, you know, and then I'd play until the spring and I was like, oh, shit, like, we were one of the best baseball programs in our, in our entire area. So it was, like, into baseball and it was in the cage and getting ready. And then summer came and it was like a hodgepodge. You know, it was like tonight I have a, I have a summer league baseball game. Tomorrow night i have a summer league basketball game. I have a soccer tournament this weekend. So there was no dedication. You know, we were just good athletes. And, and frankly, our training was, all right, I have an off afternoon. I'm going to go to the park and play pickup games. There was no, you know, there was no, like I go, I'm going, my kids have gone to a trainer, you know, for the last six years who, you know, I, I, you know, he's a, he's a great trainer, trains NBA college guys, elite high school players. But like, I mean, it's literally two, three hours a day and they're doing drills and doing all this stuff. And, you know, and it's like, and they, I laugh at them because sometimes I'm like, look, I didn't, I didn't have somebody, like I wasn't dribbling a basketball and throwing up a tennis ball with my other hand. Like I was just, I'd go to the park and I knew if I, if I was bigger, stronger, and faster than the guy in front of me, I could go buy him. And if I couldn't, I'd have to try to be shifty to get a shot off. Like you guys are so stuck in all these process. Like sometimes you stop, you know, like just using your natural instinct. And it's like, you know, like you're trying to do your James Harden step back three when like, you could just go by him and make a layup. Like, I, like, so for me, like the game, the playing all those sports just made you, you uh, become an athlete that was more instinctive, you know, and we weren't as well trained. Like I couldn't buy him like my kids do, but like I, I scored more because I just, I just had a penchant, like at a, in a, in a, like this burning desire to score. So it was like, every time I got the ball, I was just trying to go buy somebody or shoot over them, you know? And my kids are constantly like trying to figure out like what their trainers and coaches and fitness people and everybody else are telling
0: them to do. And I'm like, I don't know, just play. (laughs) It's a sport. So. And, And given your own experiences in that, and I know they're all still young, oldest in college at the university of Seattle, but do you kind of like prep them in a sense where like you kind of had, or had to develop a plan B once your playing career was over. Do they have any other interests, like creatively, oh, yeah. that they'd want to do if it didn't work out in sports?
1: Yeah, I mean the, the good thing, and even the college guy, like the college guy will have a chance to play over in Greece too because he's now he's six eight. You know, he's a good yeah. shooter. He's a good athlete, and you know, and again, there's you know there's some romance to be in a Greek, Greek descent. He's got an incredibly Greek name. His name is Euripides Economo. I mean, you don't get much more Greek than that. So we call him Rip, but, uh, you know, so, but even now, like, you know, it's like, he knows he's learning lessons. He's wise enough because of my advice that he's learning lessons that he's going to take with him for the next 50 years. You know, it's not just about sports. It's about, you know, perseverance and resilience and work and work ethic and all those things. So, um, and all three of them are incredibly passionate about fashion and music. In fact, my second son has launched a fashion business. So he's, he's, he's launched a brand called Madman. Uh, he's built his own website. He's b- building his own social media channels. He designs his own products. He has suppliers, you know from Pakistan and downtown l a and screen printers and embroiderers. And he's trying to start a streetwear company, right? And we've got him registered as a business. And so he, you know, he leans on me for business advice. And, you know, like, look, he's he's making a little more than he spends because everything he does is pre-orders. Like he creates a design, he does a mock-up, he gets to all his friends and then his friends, you know, say, oh, I want that sweatshirt or I want that hoodie or I want that t-shirt. And then he knows he's got to make, you know, 65 hoodies and he goes out and, you know, and gets their money in advance. And he goes and makes 65 hoodies. And, you know, and, and so, you know, he puts, he builds in profit margin. So he makes a little bit. So, um, so they're all interested in that and music. My oldest son has probably recorded a hundred songs by now. Um, None of them are that good in terms of like, yeah, the first songs you write are not good, but uh, his writing is excellent. His singing needs work. But the fact that he's expressing himself and he has the, you know, he has the courage to, like, to, to put them out there, you know, and to, and to let people listen to them, like, for me, is, like, one of the most critical skills any young person can learn is courage, you know, oh, yeah. because I've managed thousands of young kids in my different places that I've worked and the ones with the, with the courage or the chutzpah to kind of stand up and go, I have an idea, or what about this, or what are usually the ones that rise the quickest because you're like, oh shit, like you're not afraid to actually, you know, put something out there versus the ones who are like, oh, I don't really know, I'm you know, like I, I, I'm just a student, I'm just an intern. Um, and so I think that that experience and their you know their experience in fashion they're all they all have fashion brands that they work on. Like my oldest has one called uh, Versus the World. My youngest is one called Lost. Luke's is Madman. The middle guy, the middle guy is the only one with a business business. Um, the middle guy is like he he takes master classes in investment, in chess, in real estate. Like so he's like a real. Uh, young, you know, 18, 19-year-old Renaissance kid. You know, he's really interested in a lot of things. Uh, basketball is, is for my oldest right now, being in full swing is well, time, so time-consuming. You know, he's, like, constantly working out. But he's,
0: you know, so... And someday yeah. it will all work for me. So that's... <laughs> <get> <laughs> my my brother that. is a musician as well, and he just moved to Nashville. And, again, like how, how you were saying, like having the courage to do that thing, because I was there... From five years old to 18 years old, listening to him with his awful singing, screwing up at the exact same part, playing the guitar, you know, like going through all of that to eventually now, he's not, he's not bad. Like I can actually listen to it and enjoy the music. So that's actually really cool. And uh, for you personally, though, kind of, again, going back to your playing days and then transitioning into the business world. You kind of talked about some of those first um, few jobs, but like, what were some of the specific kind of learning curves, some of those obstacles that you had to learn from like a business mindset?
1: You know, I think, I think the simplest one is like, you know, what do they call it? Occam's razor. Like usually the, 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 the most uh, you know, the simplest explanation is, is usually the right one. So it's like, don't overthink, right? It's like, don't, don't out. Like if you're smart and you work hard, like you'll figure it out. So just put your nose to the grindstone and don't, you know, don't try to get, you know, overly uh, convoluted fancy or whatever you want to call it and just get to the heart of it. Because, you know, it's, you go from playing and, you know, you have a stigma being like, you know, I'm a jock and you're going into the work world and you're trying to, you know, prove that you're also bright and intelligent and all that stuff. But, the bottom line is, you know, hard work and, you know, some level of intelligence and some level of kind of conviction or courage, like you'll be fine, like just work really hard. Um, and what I learned early was I had a lot of courage, like not in the way of like, hey, I'm in the army and I'm going to run into, you know, some you know, flying firefight, but more courage to stand up and ask dumb questions or, you know, give an opinion that might be ridiculed like I didn't really care. Like, so and once I knew uh, I could voice an opinion, what I realized quickly was most people, A, don't voice opinions or they don't even comment on people who voice opinions. So generally you can get what you want if you just have the balls to say it, right? So you, would, I would start saying things and nobody would say anything. And I'm like, okay, let's do it that way. And it was like, wow, that guy's such a leader. It's like, no, I'm I'm the only guy that can actually like, who's not afraid to, to like, you know, to, to, to put something on the table and, uh, you know, and, and kind of run with it. So once I realized that that was a factor, like in, in my, that could be a factor in my success, it was like, how did I, how would I play on that and, you know, be more strategic, be smarter, you know, learn, you know, learn some really great processes that can help me, you know, get where I wanted to get to. So, you know. At the end of the day it's simple stuff it's just yeah. like have a good idea and see it through and believe in it and have the courage to fight for it so
0: on, on that topic who was someone who kind of took you under their wing uh, early on and teaching you some of that stuff and have you developed any lifelong friendships through these uh, partnerships and businesses um, i mean number one was my
1: dad like he was yeah. like you know my dad's a, a lifelong educator college professor high school administrator um, you know, he, he, in fact, he was, he's 83 now and he just retired two years ago from the university of Arizona. He was teaching the classics at the university of Arizona. Wow. So, you know, he, he was a guy, but he, you know, again, he didn't know business, but he knew humanity, He knew, you know, behavior, sociology, and like the way people think and act. And so he coached me constantly on those kinds of things. Um, and I, you know, like I had people I admired, but I was also a very, uh, I guess, independent spirit where I went out early on my own, you know, and I had I forged businesses. I, I had an early business partner who's become one of my best friends in life, a guy named Ed O'Hara, uh, with, with uh, c- close close ties with your Irish flag in the background there. Um, you know, Ed was uh, probably seven, eight, nine years older than me. Uh, had been a had been a very very successful branding creative branding guy, but very strategic and you know ed ed's kind of thirty thousand foot ideas lit a fire under me about what branding meant to businesses and it you know kind of inspired me to learn more dig more and become more expert in that area and He's still to this day, 30 years later, probably the, the smartest branding guy that I'd ever, you know, I have read every branding book you can possibly imagine. And I've never met anyone with the sense and uh, confidence and, and just uh, success that Ed could bring to any table. And uh, so he was, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if he was a mentor or just a great friend who like inspired me. Um, you know, in that sense, and then, then I, I owned my own businesses for many years. And, and, and I, I, probably my biggest, my biggest mentor who took me under his wing in a way was David Stern. So when I went to work for the NBA, um, you know, David was uh, always the smartest guy in every room, in every room, no matter what room he was in. Like he, he knew and talk about courage of conviction and just wisdom and toughness and you know he was he he was Bobby Knight and Coach Calhoun and Coach Shashevsky wrapped together in terms of like the way he his style was tough like he was exacting demanding loud uh, but also nurturing he was the kind of guy you'd play for and you didn't like the like being yelled at but but you loved playing for him. You know what I mean? So like David taught me a lot about preparation and, and being, and being precise and being prepared and, you know, and, and kind of, but also having vision and and confidence. I mean, I remember when uh, David passed obviously, but when I was contemplating doing, launching this business with my now business partner, I went to see David in New York to ask his opinion. And basically he, you know, he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do but you should be you. And what makes you, you most effectively staying where you are doing something new. And he's like, you're not going to fail. Like you are not going to fail. Like I know you. So just pick whatever you love the most. And it was like, I walked out there and I knew after one hour conversation, I was going to launch this business because, you know, I consider David and Adam Silver, you know, who, became by proxy, like, you know, a friend and a, and a mentor in a way, um, you know, but I knew when David kind of didn't give me the advice, but gave me the advice that like I, I knew what to do. Right. And so, yeah. um, and you know, like when David passed, you know, uh, tragically, um, I red eyed to his, his uh, memorial service just for that day, just to go to the service. I turned around and flew back because I had meetings back here but to me, I couldn't miss it because, you know, I, I, I finally understood, uh, you know, after all these years, what paying respects really means. You know what I mean? Like, you hear that, you hear that phrase, like, oh, I'm going to pay my respects. But it was like, no, no, I need to go. Like, I just, like, I don't need to go to see anyone else. I just need to go because I know somewhere David's going to yell at me if I don't go. <laughs> you
0: know? He's going to be like, why the hell did you show him on my memorial service? So I was like, all right, shit, I got to get there. So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, everything he did for you, You may as well show up, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what? <laughs> and the other thing to answer your question is, you know, when I didn't have a mentor, I found inspiration, right? And so, like, there were people I came across that I just found had, like, certain skills or certain beliefs or certain styles or, and things. I mean, I worked with a, with a guy named Jim McPhillamy who now, I think he owns, like, the Charlotte Independent Soccer Team. And he's done a lot of interesting things. And Jim had such a unique, like take on life and kind of positioning and like decision making and just like incredibly wise guy beyond his years. And like I now today, like, you know, 20 years later, I make decisions that I know are based on things that I heard Jim say 20 years ago in a random conversation. I'm like, wow, like, like he had a big impact on me and probably more than I realized at the time because I was so, like, he was so bright and I was soaking so much of it in. So I think there were a lot of those people along the way, um, you know, but I, like I said, I was always like a very independent like thinker and always was like trying to uh, trap, you know, blaze my own trail. So like whether that was stubbornness or just my natural spirit or whatever it was like, um, I always looked for, advice guidance inspiration at times mentorship leadership but like i didn't want to be held down by one person or in one job for too long because i was too interested in doing other things you know it was so
0: and then to to, to that point like absorbing all of that information like you said like taking bits and pieces from certain conversations that you have with people and kind of instilling it in your brain like goes along with what you guys are doing at game one with you know the storytelling aspect podcast shows feature films but, you kind of just alluded to it, but like, do you think that that was just like instilled in you uh, like at birth? Cause some people think like that and some people don't like absorbing that information and retaining it knowing that they could possibly use it in the future.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, <laughs> I think a lot of it is like natural inclination. Some of it's learned. I mean, my mother was a super creative type. I mean, she was a musician, an artist, uh, a writer, a poet, um, you know, still is, I mean, she still paints, she's 81. Um, so like I would, and my dad was a scholar. And so like, I would, I would, and but they were both sports fans. So like I had the best of all worlds there. And I, and I think I learned like, Hey, it's okay to be, it's okay to be creative. And like, even now I'm like, I've been in this business 30 years and like, I'll be in a meeting and somebody will classify me as the sales guy. And I'm like, I'm not a sales guy. Like, I sell shit. But, like, I am a creative guy in this meet. Like, I'm, like, one of you. Like, I'm a creator. Like, I can think of great ideas just like everybody else. And, you know, I've never wanted to be labeled as one thing or another. Like, I always wanted to be whatever the situation called for, within reason. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not going to go into a nuclear physics lab and go, hey, let me get a lab coat on and figure this shit out. Like, but, you you know, creating... In interesting thinking or putting ideas forward. And I've had a, a, you know, I probably had more ideas, you know, shot down and called dumb than than most people combined in like a lifetime, just because I've always like just been that guy to be like, well, what about this? And then somebody like, dude, like there, that movie already existed or that idea was already taken, or that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it's like, okay, let me think of five other things. Cause like, I just want to keep the ball moving forward. So, um, Again, I think it was somewhat, um, somewhat instilled from birth, somewhat instilled from what I learned, you know, from my from my parents and my upbringing, and somewhat it was just discoveries I made along the way to say, hey, like speaking up, speak, you know, like there's no, don't define me, you know, like you know, I'm like I, I would get these titles like chief revenue officer, and it was like, yeah, but like cheap, sometimes cheap revenue officers have more marketing chops or more creative chops because they have to, they have to create the asset that they're selling. So, but you're pigeonholed as a sales guy or vice versa. Like when I was, you know, when I owned a creative agency early in my career, it was like, oh, he's just a branding guy. He's a marketing guy. He's an art guy. And it's like, no, I sell, like I sell my, my, you know, like my services to, to, to hundreds and hundreds of sports teams and properties, you know, and athletes around the world. Like, I'm the guy selling it. So,
0: you know, it's a bit of everything. So are there any specific stories that you'd want to tell? Like, I'm sure you've got a ton on your plate, a ton of ideas kind of stored. I know you guys are doing something with Russell Wilson coming up as well, but is there any specific thing, like a dream story? Like I'd love to tell this story in this specific way.
1: Well, I think taking one step back, um, the fact that I have found my way into this job, you know, this career path, right, is beyond one story. It's like, I, I look at my slate every day and I go, you know, I, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, wow, like a, we're doing a, you know, we're pitching a scripted series on high school basketball, like the Friday Night Lights of, you know, to HBO Max you know, on Friday and Dwayne Wade's attached to it. And oh, we're doing two documentaries with James Harden. We have, you know, we're, we're, we're Danica Patrick. We're filming something today on a magazine style show that we're doing. Oh, we're doing a documentary with the Boston Celtics and we're trying to get Chris Evans attached to that. We're doing all wow. the, 40, like we're doing all with FC Barcelona. Like I sit there and I look at it and I go like, this, like I would watch everything that I'm gonna make. I would watch, right? Like it, like as a fan, because I sit here on Netflix and I'm like, oh, let me watch this, let me watch that. And Last Dance, like yeah, of course. Right. You know, Lasso, like in a heartbeat, like anything that's sports related, I'm gonna watch. And so, the fact that I'm I'm in the I'm in the business of making those stories and those things come to life is just like pinch me. Like this is like you know it's it's. Um, You know, it's everything I could have wanted to do. I just didn't know that this is where I'd end up. It just, but again, that goes back to my follow your, you know, follow your convictions. And I, I, if you would have told me, um, you know, when I was in college, like you're going to own a branding agency when you're, you know, when you're in your late twenties, I would have said, I don't even know what branding is. Like, what do you mean? What's an agency? Like, I don't know what that is. And if you would have told me when I was in my late twenties that I'd be a movie producer, I'd be like, I still, to this day, I'm like, I'm not like, I'm not like, I'll get a credit, but like, I'm not a producer. Like, like, well, I guess I am. I don't know. You know, like it's like, it's just, you just do what's in front of you. And like, I've been, I I think blessed with that curiosity and courage to go chase it. And so it's like, Oh yeah, let me go do that now. And like, I have friends that call me up and they're like, so what the fuck are you going to do next? like you go into like with Elon Musk and flying to Mars, like what's like next on the agenda? it's like, I have like long range ADD. Like I, I can, I don't get distracted in the moment. I get distracted after like three years. Then it's like, all right, now I've kind of done that. Like, what do I want to do next? And so, you know, just that, and the challenges grow organically. It's kind of what you're interested in, you know, content was something I've been interested in a long time in different ways and storytelling for a long time in different ways. And it was like, trying to figure out how to manifest. And it's funny because I actually built like two or three different times I built business plans, like in the last 10 years for this business. I didn't know it. I was, that's what I was building. I was just like, how would I create an agency or a production company? I didn't even know what a studio was. And then, you know, over time I start doing more of that stuff. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, I meet Basil. And it's like, this guy's actually a real big time fucking movie producer. Like produced right. will produce like, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of hit movies and knows how the mechanics of that process works knows everyone in Hollywood knows. And all of a sudden we become buds and we start talking about it and he's inviting me to, he's like, we should launch a company together. And I'm like, wait a second, you're like a big time movie producer. Like, I didn't, like, I do not even know how that happened. Like I just met you through a friend and now we're talking about doing business together. So, you know, I think, It's, you know, some of it is like, just keep your antenna up too. You never know what's around the next corner, right? Like I never, ever in a million years, if you just told me you're going to produce something that's going to be on television or in a movie theater, I would have been like, yeah, okay. Like that's a good one, you know, but here I am with, you know, a slate of things I'm pitching to, you know, to, to studios and to Netflix and to Amazon and to Hulu and HBO and to ESPN. And it's like, wow, I'm actually doing that. That's like, that's
0: pretty cool. Right. So so how much of a glimpse do you get into like the actual shooting side of things because again like storytelling aspect is one thing and then you got to shoot it from all these different production angles with with everything else going on which is a totally different ball game yeah i mean look
1: i, I am i'm not going to profess to know how phys, physical production works right. um I, my role is much more on the front side of these things so it's a, it's running the day-to-day of the business and it's figuring out how to keep, you know, keep the lights on. Uh, B, it's ha- how do I acquire, A, partnerships with IP, right? So how do I go find teams, leagues, athletes, media companies, whatever, who have interesting things and to, to, uh, interesting stories to, to talk about or tell? And then how do I go do that deal? So, hey, Boston Celtics, like you have a really interesting story to tell how do I get a deal done with you and the NBA and package it together? And then how do I kind of get it into to position? And then, you know, ultimately it becomes Basil's side of the fence to go, all right, now we're going to go make a six part documentary series on the Celtics. And we're going to hire this director or this filmmaker. We're going to hire this physical. And we have now staff that will go find a physical production crew. Will I go on set? I don't know. It depends. I mean, if, if, if I think it requires that because I'm taking care of the partner and I'm, you know, and and it's important to that relationship, I'll go do it. I don't think I need to do it just to do it. Um, I'd like to do it enough to understand it better because, you know, like I'm, you know, Basil has an incredible, like, you know, skill set, you know, in making films. And I'd like to learn as much as I can. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be him because he's done it already, you know, 50, 60 times, but if I can, you know if i can learn some tricks of the trade so it makes me better at acquiring ip or you know be marketing this business or selling you know this business more effectively then you know like i'll, I'll take that opportunity when it presents itself
0: well, i mean information is key at the end of the day and you kind of alluded back to kind of those early years in, in your late 20s obviously sme uh, sfx which is now live nation what would you think like looking back at that now um like what would a, what did a young Greg kind of, uh, do with kind of all that early on success and looking back at it now, is there anything that you change looking back at that? Like, do you think you made any childish mistakes looking back at anything? No, I made a million childish mistakes, (laughs) but but again,
1: I think, you know, one thing sports teaches you is, you know, and certainly like my, you know, my dad would preach the baseball analogies all day long. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to go play in the major leagues and, and you know, you get your thousand at bats and you're going to strike out 700 times. You're still making the hall of fame. Like if you get yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's make, learn, you know, like learn from your mistakes. Like don't try not to make the same mistake twice if you can help it. Um, but that's part of the game. Like I tell my kid, like right now, like he, he gets in a game and he, you know, he, he finishes, you know, two for seven. And it's like, well, it's, it's part of life, dude. Like some games are going to be, you know, five for seven. And some games are gonna be two for seven. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? You know? I mean, you, you just, you got to do the best you can do and try to learn from what were your mistakes and learn from your successes and, um, you know, and, and try to grow. So, you know, there, there's, there's nothing where I went, Oh my God, that's catastrophic. Right. It's more like, you know, we like we we had a huge account. My first agency, we had a huge account with Major League Baseball, and we were spread super thin. And I was traveling somewhere, and my main account guy was like in the Philippines, and my number two account guy was like in like you know Europe, and like and it got down, and the guy who was left in the shop was a uh, was one of my best employees, but he was he was a uh, Indian descent, and he was a cricket fan, not a baseball fan, so. We were doing an ad campaign for Major League Baseball with um, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa when they were setting the home run records back in the late 90s. And Chris and the designer, who didn't know anything about sports, he was just a really good designer, thought that Sammy Sosa hitting left-handed would look way better than, you know, didn't know the difference. So they turned the picture around, like, you know, and so yeah, – right. So, you know, you had McGuire and it was like a side-by-side thing and look, shame on us, but also shame on MLB because it was sent to them for approval and they approved it. And then we ran it in national publications, right? And then when, when it hit the national publications, the commissioner went fucking bullshit. And, you know, they, you know, the MLB called me up and said, look, you guys are fired and you'll never work in baseball again. And I was like, deservedly so. Like you know, and then it was back to all right. Now how do we avoid never making a mistake like this again? Like what what safety protocols do we have to put in place, um, you know, and, and what do we have to do? And you know, we ended up growing the business considerably from that point forward because we just got smarter about like you know process because we didn't want to lose another account. But by the process of trying to protect ourselves from losing another account, we actually made ourselves better and won more accounts. So you know i think we didn't work with baseball again but you know hey sammy
0: sosa was we look good either way you know right. you live and you learn what was it, What was an instance where you kind of had to like you talked about some of those early mentors, your father uh, kind of like teaching how to battle certain adversities, but like what were some certain situations where you had to make the best of a work like a terrible situation? Because I know with your time with the Bobcats, obviously everybody knows how bad they were uh, mid 2000s, but I'm sure they were even worse from a behind the scenes standpoint. How are you able to uh, deal with some of those things and how are you able to adapt to some more things coming your way? Um,
1: look, I, I, I love, I love the challenge. Like, I love the challenge of working in Charlotte. You know, it was at every measurable factor you could find, we were in last place, right? Wins and on the court, but tickets sold, sponsorships, TV revenue, TV viewership, everything, everything was in last place. So for me, like, that's a blessing because the only way you can go is up. Like, you know, I can't go any down. I can't fail. Like, I can't. I can't, maybe I can't improve it fast enough. And they go, let's try somebody else. But like, there's no like, oh my God, he took over like a great business and he sunk it into the ground. And the fact that we like like revolutionized that business and with, with no more success on the court than they had had before I got there, uh, but we had left in ticket sales, we had sold a naming rights deal, we had doubled our sponsorships, we had done a new TV deal, which was radically, I mean, improved over what was there before. Like, so for me, those were, and I, I would tell my staff, like, look, we might not win, and there might be adversity, and the fans might hate us, but we have to act like, and I used to always say this phrase, that, that we're a 50-win team. Like yeah. we gotta win ready. We gotta act like we're going to the playoffs. Like we have to that's the way we maintain ourselves. That's the dignity we have to have. That's the enthusiasm we have to have. You know, and you got when you have to manufacture that from scratch, it's harder than when you're working for teams that are like, you know, going for, you know, when you're working for the Lakers yet now and they're going for like their their second title in a row and their third title and maybe their fourth title in a row, all of a sudden you're like, hey, it's easy to be fired up to work for there. It's it's when you're working for a team that hey if you win thirty games out of eighty that's going to be a good year and you got to figure out like how do you how do you buckle down so you know those those challenges for me is you know whether it's the uh, you know glasses half full or there's always a silver lining like that's I think that's what sports teaches you right I mean that's what you know striking out you know oh, yeah. getting back the home run you struck out three times and you a home run to win the game. And you're like, well, I like looked abysmal. Like my first three trips to the plate, I was like lost, you know, but I stuck to it and I, you know, I adjusted and I, and I had ultimate success where I was the hero. It's like, well, you know, like 90% of that game, I was the failure, you know, but but if you figure out how to stay long enough and, you, you know, learn from your mistakes, you can actually turn it around in, in one swing of the bat or one, you know, one, one account, one,
0: right. one, one creative idea, whatever that might be. So, I mean, that's a great point. And given all the experiences you've had, you know, like whether it is branding or whether it is filmmaking or any, all the above. Uh, given all the places you've been, because again, Charlotte, you're in Southern California now. You were in New York as well. Uh, you talked about growing up as well. You went to the University of Yukon, uh, Athens, Greece, overseas. For you, is it more of along the lines of like, okay, like I'm more focused on what's next? Like obviously you're thinking about what's in front of you first and foremost, but at the same time, you're kind of thinking to what's ahead. Like, was there any um, business that you were partnered with and that you were working for that you wanted to stay and you, know, and you were thinking like, maybe I could stay here long-term or was it always more about like, what's next for you?
1: Uh, it actually was neither. It was it was always live in the moment, right? And I never planned. I never said, well, if I do this for three years, I can get there. You know, my, my thing was, just like sports. It's like, look, if I, if I start worrying about making the hall of fame before I have an at bat, like I'm not going to make the hall of fame. I'm not going to even make the big leagues. Cause like, I'm too worried about something, you know, and if I'm worried about making triple a when I'm in double a, like I, I'm not going to get hits. Like I've got to focus on what is the task at hand? It's like, I'm looking at the ball in the pitcher's hand. I'm looking out at it, the ball when he's in, you know, release position and I'm watching the flight of the ball. I'm trying to pick up the spin and I'm trying to go with it and hit it where it needs to be hit. Like, if I can do that, like, all that stuff will take care of itself. So for me, it was always, hey, I found my way here for some reason. Like, how do I dominate every day that I'm here? And then figure out, like, where does that lead me? And I still don't know. Like I like I said, I, didn't, I would never would have said, oh, I want to go into film production. Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, until I started kind of matriculating toward it and doing a little bit of it here and doing a little bit there. And then it was like, you know, and... But I still, it, was, it wasn't unless I met Basil that I'd be doing this. Like, there was no, like, other path. And it was no, there was no, I met Basil more as a friend than, in, like, as a potential business partner. It was like, oh, dude, yeah, Oh, what are you, where are you from? Oh, Jersey. Oh, you like the Jets? I oh, like the Giants. Oh, you like the Mets? I like the Yankees. Like, your team suck. My teams are great. What do you do? Oh, I'm a film producer. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, I make movies. Oh, what kind of movies? Oh, big movies. Wow. And then it was, and then it was him asking me, and I have certain experiences in making content that are different than his, but it was, oh, wow, we could actually make something cool here. So, you know, not, nothing is, like, I, I, like, career counselors would kick me, but, like, I've never planned anything. Like, I've never had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. I've, I've had, a like, a five-minute plan. Like, what am I doing over the next five minutes, and how do I do that really well, and what's next, the next five minutes, and then how do I go from there and then, having faith that things are going to take care of themselves, like opportunities are going to present themselves, whatever those might be. And, you know, sometimes they pop up and I pass on opportunities that I've sat and gone, maybe I should have tried that, but what are you going to do? Like, what if, could have, should have, would, or whatever? You know, like, it's like, it's like when I read these articles about actors who are offered roles that they turn down and then the movies become like super huge hits and it's like, oh damn, I should have played that role. But it's like, look, shit, so whatever reason the universe was like, not allowing you to make that decision or make,
0: let me make that decision for whatever reasons. So, you know. And I feel like you're a lot happier in the moment when you're not thinking about other things, you're just thinking about what's in front of you and then let God take its course uh, eventually. And that's always kind of something I like to talk to uh, my guests about in a sense, like you being as successful as you are having so many other things on your plate, how are you able to, you know, balance that, work life personal life being a dad being a husband doing all these other things that you're doing in in the same process because there's probably a lot of pressure involved like how are you able to maintain like the number one important thing and that's happiness
1: um for me it's always been a blend of art and science right and so on the science side it's how can i be as maniacally organized as humanly possible So that I create like the ultimate efficiency. So I know I'm getting things done I need to get done in the time and and manner that I need to get them done. That gives me the peace of mind to go shift gears and go, all right, I've got to get my to my kids' game or I've got to go, you know, on this on this getaway with my fiance or whatever, whatever it may call for. So I think it's, you know, and then in the other side, it's like, look at the end of the day, like we're, you know, we, like, I love my job. Like my, like my job is, has always been part of my life. It's not a, it's not a a vocation necessarily. It's more of like just a, a lifestyle because I'm doing things that I love and that, you know, and I've included my family and friends in that process. It's like, look, you know, whether it was working at teams and enjoying games together or whether it was now in this process where, you know, so, But I think, you know, A, you got to stay vigilant. You can't get sucked down the rabbit hole. B, you got to be really well organized, um, you know, super well organized on both sides of the fence. So you understand like what's, you know, what, what's expected uh, what do you expect? What does what what everybody else expect? Whether that means your family, your friends, your employees, and how do you balance those things? It's not easy, believe me. Like if there's one thing I wish I could change, is how do I create a you know like a 36-hour day or a 48-hour day where you know we could get get more shit done. But you know, um, you, you try your best, and like everything else, you let it come to you at times. You know what I mean? Like there are times when I want to spend more time with my boys, but I got to be in the office working late. And then they'll say something like, you know, like, dad, you got to do what you got to do. Like I'm fine. And then, you know, and then your times where you're taking the whole weekend and you're just like doing a basketball tournament and you know, you're not even thinking twice about what's back at the office. Cause you're where you're supposed to be at that time. So.
0: Yeah. And the, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, obviously I don't want to take too much of your time here, but you obviously where you are now with, with game one, Co-CEO, with all of your experience leading up to this point, all these different types of uh, uh, management styles leading up to this gig, what what's the overall inspiration uh, partnering in this, and what's your overall goal that you want to accomplish? I think the uh, the
1: inspiration is, you know, for me is uh, storytelling. You know, it's, it's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great stories to tell that have real meaning. Um, so it's not, you know, telling stories to make money. It's telling stories to, to convey ideas and values that need to be, you know, need to be conveyed and like everything else, like if you do that, well, like the money comes like the, you know, the success comes. So it's really about, um, you know, what, how can I impact, um, my industry or my you know my uh you know my society in a way through storytelling um but doing it in a thoughtful and responsible and meaningful way and never more important than today you know between quarantines and um you know social justice and social impact and you know cultural dynamics going on in this country and around the world there's never a more important time to realize that, Hey, there's some common themes that sports can bring. And there's some, you know, when, when you think about, um, you know, what, what, what sports can mean, you know, to, 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 to people everywhere, like getting those stories told are you know, are really important to me. So, um, so no, I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's, um, uh, um, yeah, at the end of the day, that's the driving force.
0: And do you think uh, the quarantine and the pandemic and everything, I like did it stall you or did it liberate you in a sense? Because the way people consume content now is completely different. I mean, just right now with Zoom and everything, it's going to be a completely different landscape. Totally the latter. Uh, yeah. It stalled us from creating content in the immediate,
1: um, but it liberated us from the standpoint of, I think it gave us more time to develop partnerships and ideas and really set a much more complete table than we would have if we would have started the process and had to start producing content right away. It it also, to your point, like viewership habits have changed dramatically, Um, you know, appointment viewing is like people aren't going, oh, at eight o'clock, the show is on or the game is on. I'm going to go watch that as we're seeing with, you know, with, with, uh, you know, decreases in ratings across the board and never more so in sports than we've had this year for many reasons. Um, but I also see increases in subscriptions in the streaming services and then the, in the, in the, uh, subscription services, cable services. So, you know, I think consumers learned, Hey, I'm stuck inside 24 hours a day. Like I'm going to watch what I want to watch, where I want to watch it, when I want to watch it on what device I want to watch it on. And as much as I want to watch, whether I want to watch like all 10 episodes in the next 10 hours, or I want to watch 10 minutes of the first episode and come back and watch this thing over the next two months. Um, that that world is now setting up perfectly for what we create is content that people can consume when they want to watch it, where they want to watch it, how they want to watch it. So, um, so I think from that point, totally liberating. And uh, and then the other factor was sports for the first time ever stalled like completely. Like from you know March, April, May, you know into June, there was nothing going on. So we had a lot of access to, to athletes, teams, leagues, brands, you know, decision makers, you know, people in the, in the periphery of sports so immediately that, you know, because nobody was busy, nobody was traveling, nobody was training, nobody was at games. There was no fans. There was a, so, you know, our ability to get to people quickly and convey to them what we were building here and why it was important for them to be involved. Like it was, it was a, 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 a uh, you know, a, 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 an opportunity for us to to really forge many more partnerships than we would have otherwise in in the same amount of time, right? Like we might have had the same amount of partnerships, but it might have taken three years instead of one year, you know, just because we had so much access to people and we'd have to wait like three months to get on somebody's calendar or wait until the season was over or wait until... Um, you know, there was some break or something or they were off the road from traveling. It was like, hey, let's have a call tomorrow. You know, it was like, great. So I think from that regard, it was very liberating and, uh, and, and very uh, substantial to us creating what we have built so far, the foundation of this business so far.
0: And it's going to be very interesting to see how things advance over the next five to ten years as well, just on a technology standpoint. But, uh, Greg, I want to thank you so much for uh, being gracious enough to take time out of your day. I'll I'll let you get back to your ultra-busy life. I know uh, you got a lot on your plate. Um, And Merry Christmas, too. It doesn't feel like Christmas, but I guess uh, it's right around the corner. I was thinking about that. I'm like, oh crap, I got like 20 days or less. I know, it's like two weeks away, I, I didn't even notice. I haven't even started Christmas shopping, but.
1: yeah, I, I usually wait till the 24th, like everything else. I'm like, I'm good under pressure. So I'll like, uh, you know, I can come through in the clutch. So we'll... You like the challenge, you like the challenge. I like the challenge, so. All right, man, well, it was good to meet you. Uh, good luck and everything. And uh, let me know if I can help any other way.
0: I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh dude. She's definitely gonna break up with you. She's definitely gonna break up
1: with me. Should've used Tick Wait, what'd you say? Tick Pick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees.
0: What'd you guys think I said? Oh. Tick Pick. I thought you said Tick Pick. No hidden fees. Download today.